Andy Fenton. Morning, Jace. Morning, all. <laughs> or even afternoon. Afternoon, or even. even. <laughs> or early evening. Whatever we need, it will work. <laughs> been a day. It's been a day. Uh, been one of those days. Well, mate, uh, glad you made it through. Glad you made it through the week. Uh, awesome week. Um, awesome weekly debrief coming up, folks. Make sure you stay tuned. But the big news is uh, what everyone has uh, been sitting on the edge of their seats. I, I got better wine this week. <laughs> I went to Melbourne. It's more us. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice drop, Andy. Um, yeah. So anyway, went down the shop and I... Grabbed a few random bottles of wine, and we'll see how we roll. So hopefully everyone, <laughs> hopefully everyone, everyone's all set up for the wine uh, and the wisdom here today. Uh, Alison's already in the house, so uh, good to see you, Alison. James is here. Fraye all in there. Gosh, Kelly's uh, the woodworks. Yeah, uh, it's all happening. So good to see a bunch of you folks jumping on. Give us a shout out in the chat where you're at, what you're up to. As your week being, whatever it needs to be, but um, we've got a fair bit uh, on this week, Andy. There's been a lot happening in in the news um, and out in this on the streets um, in uh, many different ways. So, folks, uh, for those who may be joining for the first time, welcome, uh, Andy Fenton over there, uh, Jason Whitten here, <laughs> and um, uh, many months ago, it's almost. 24 months now, almost two years, um, along along came the idea that we would start a Friday debrief, a weekly debrief about what's going on in our markets. Andy Fenton working 20-plus years in the world of banking, finance, financial planning, and the stock market, uh, myself in the world of property. And um, we thought we'd support our communities, get together on a Friday, debrief the week, hopefully help uh, those in need. Um uh, just make sense of things, and uh, we've stuck with it. So we're well over fifty episodes now, folks. Um, lots of glasses of wine, one or <laughs> one or two, many glasses of wine once or twice on <laughs> wealth, wine, and wisdom. But um, yeah, welcome to the show. If you're new, welcome. Give us a shout out. If you're returning, uh, you know the drill, gang. Um, what Andy and I do, we uh, we do some things like. Uh, debriefing what's been in the news throughout the week, and um, uh, been a few things going on uh, this week, which is uh, which is kind of groovy and cool um, to be talking about tonight. Uh, we will touch on some things that you should know as an investor looking after your dollars and cents. Pretty important to get those things right. And as always, Andy, if anyone's got any questions, whack them in the chat. Whack them in the chat, gang. So there'll be plenty to uh, to do uh, on. Yeah, and this is like check it out. You know, the old news is uh, getting is is heating up. I've got some <laughs> the, got the old millennials. Well, oh, the bloody old millennials have got a handout like there's no tomorrow. The government was giving out money like drunken sailors, scaring the shit out of them. Here's some money to go and buy a house with. What the fuck? Yeah. Hey, you lot. Easy to scare these lot, aren't they? Yeah. Jeez, unbelievable. That's so funny, Alison. I want to be able to buy a house. I remember, Andy, I, I remember back, back in the day, Gates, where back you used to you, day, to, you, to, you actually had to earn money to go out before you could buy a house. Oh, and then you had to good. beg, borrow, and steal it. Sometimes oh, actually steal it. And uh, 
Yeah, unbelievable. Well, but it's a scary thing, mate. When you get given things on a platter, it's a scary, scary thing. <laughs> the tongue they in cheek, <laughs> they are going up. They are going up. Yes. Well, yeah, the property prices are going up. But it is interesting. I'm going to talk about this a bit later on, Andy, uh, where, you know, mortgage stress at the moment is at an all-time low. Not all-time. Let's uh, let's say a 20-year low. Record lows. Record lows. <laughs> record lows. <laughs> <That> <laughs> so I can see it on the page of the newspaper. Uh, there you go. Uh, Brendan is saying our audio is muffled. Um, so, Ooh. folks, give, give us a shout-out if – uh, we do have uh, muffled audio. If it's happening for everybody, or is it just uh, Brendan at Brendan's end? So, um, is it just me, or is it just Jace? It'd be uh, it'd be interesting tonight. Yeah, let's have a let's have a bit of a bit of a yarn about that. So let let us know, gang, um, uh, if that uh, if the audio is okay coming through. Uh, Sounds okay to me. Says James. I'll just change mine here, Andy. Tell me if that's um. Fine now, uh, all good. Ooh, sounds like Barry White. What do you reckon, ladies and gentlemen? Does he is he got the dulcet tones of Barry White happening now? Hello, folks. There we go. Uh, okay, they might have just changed from their uh, headphones to their speakers. All right, good, good. We've got the technical stuff sorted out, folks. But yeah, Alison, that's a good one. Um, that is that is a good one. Uh, good to see a few of those things are popping up, trying to scare people. But that's what media does. But any any anyway, Andy, what uh, what about you, mate? What Got a few things this week in the news as well, mate. Hundred percent. It's uh, it's been a busy, busy week uh, week over here, and and as it is, everyone who goes into or every time we go into lockdown, more than just the Victorians, uh, then you've got to start scaring the shit out of people in some way, shape, or form because it's not <laughs> enough that we're at home trying to figure out how to run our businesses or where to earn money. Uh, the media have to just get on the bandwagon and really start pumping their tires and. Just trying to create some fear out there because uh, fear is good, Jace. Fear is is wonderful for media companies. Uh, yes, it, it gets the eyeballs. The That's it. Gets the eyeballs on the television, then they can get some ratings, and then they can sell advertising. Folks, we all know this one. That's what makes the world go around, mate. Uh, just scare the living daylights out of everybody, and uh, it's it's really interesting that Alison brought that up because one of the one of my first talking points, and and maybe we'll get straight into it. Uh, but actually, just before we do, love to know who's not in lockdown out there. So as you introduce yourself, whack your name in the chat. Uh, well, your chat, your name's already in the chat, but uh, let us know whereabouts you're dialing in from, and we'd love to hear about those who are not in lockdown. I'm not in lockdown, Andy. They're I'm the on the Gold Coast. <laughs> now, you guys never go into lockdown. No, <laughs> no, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Uh, like I think I was saying this to you the other day. It's actually it actually is, it's felt quite surreal to be on the Gold Coast and. You know, see all of this stuff happening around us in Australia and also around the world, um, and uh, really not be that affected by it, to be uh, quite frank. Um, but uh, here we go. Um, Alexis says, says, What's lockdown on 300 acres? Well, there you go. Um, uh, Qantas spreading COVID points throughout Queensland. <laughs> Jeff. Uh, there you go. Uh, Toowoomba, Toowoomba's not in lockdown. Um, there, there you go. Uh, Christchurch, not in lockdown um, yeah. over there. And NZ, there you go. Affecting Queenstown Airbnb. Yeah, gee, I tell you. There, there you go. None in Blackwater. Jeff's um Jeff's out there. How many people in Blackwater these days, Jeff? Thirty or forty? Um, I grew up in a town like Blackwater, Jeff. Not to triple figures yet, or <laughs> there's probably a few more. Maybe a thousand plus, I reckon. Um, I'm having a guess. No lockdown in WA right now. Well, it's too far for anyone to bloody fly to WA sometimes. It uh 
like another country. So you just get bored following the old dingo fence slide, mate. It's like watching two parallel lines that just constantly meet at the end. It's uh, it's a hard track over there. Yeah, few people locked down in Surrey Hills. Um, you know, um, if you are in lockdown, folks, uh, you know, uh, chin up, feel you up, give us a shout out if you need any help. Um, but what is happening, Andy? Maybe would like you said dive into it. Uh, over on your neck of the woods, what's uh, what's the go? Well, mate, uh, you know I'm a big fan of Yogi Berra, so I thought I'd bring a few of his quotes to life. And uh, and this is one of my favourite. I'll jump on a soapbox to get the night starting. <laughs> you can observe a lot just by watching. Oh, that's funny. There you go. And right. so one of my pet, fa- uh, pet hates at the moment is, uh, and it goes to Alison's point, and it's what's in the news. Uh, and this is a book that I, I read many years ago, and uh, and it's called How to Lie with Statistics. Mm, poignant. <laughs> mate, I am seeing so much news, as we'll call it fake news, good old Trump. Uh, I, I'm seeing a huge amount of fake news, which is quite literally scaring people, uh, not literally scaring the shit out of them, but it is scaring people but Jesus, like there, there is a lot of fear. So there's a lot of fear mongering going on. Yeah, it is, it is a constant. Jason and I have, have been trying to to beat the drums of uh, of reality for some time. So because as soon as you get locked down, all of a sudden the news just blows up. All of a sudden the world just goes because they've got a captive audience now. Ten million people in lockdown or thereabouts. They've got a captive audience, and it's their job to scare the shit out of you. So. I've not just seen it here, I've seen it on statistics. And my little soapbox for this about what's in the news is just a whole lot of BS. And what I'd love all of you to do is actually read this book. Uh, and the reason why I'd love you to, to read this book is because here's the thing. Any, you would think that a book Jason, was like this would be written by a statistician, wouldn't you? Well, you would think so, Andy, but maybe not. Well, so if there was another profession that you think would uh, benefit from lying through statistics, what profession do you think that would be? The media. Like, uh, <laughs> it's spot on the money. This book was actually written by Daniel Huff in 1954 uh, and not a statistician. Huff was a journalist who wrote many articles uh, as a freelancer <laughs> and really quite, quite an incredible book. I've uh, And the reason why I say this, there is a context. I'm not just jumping on a soapbox for the sake of jumping on a soapbox um, because those people who do tend to s- slip off. But the, <laughs> the, the reason why I bring this up is just be very, very, very careful. There's been a few people who have brought statistics to me recently and I've been watching social as well and they're going, Andy, you know, these are the facts about the vaccination over in the U- in the US. X amount of people have died. Uh, you know, hundred percent pe- of people who died weren't vaccinated. Well, how many fucking people were vaccinated in that state at that point in time, anyway? Uh, and so there's these statistics that are going out there. Ninety eight percent of people who died didn't have stat- uh, didn't have the double jab. You got to understand the context in which these statistics are actually coming out. All right. So what is the populace that is actually vaccinated because it could be if they're a 20% vaccination rate in that state and they come out and they say, you know, 90% of people who died from COVID weren't vaccinated, well, the odds are actually, you know, in their favour anyway. 
So you've got to be very, very careful. And How to Lie with Statistics is a great read. It's not a long read, but it's well worth reading. If you're out there reading and spending your time trolling through ridiculous articles of bullshit statistics that are out there that are painting a picture to sensationalise what's going on in the world, then you should read this book because this book will actually demystify how people can warp things in order to make them look scary when it's actually just data that doesn't actually have any present meaning at this point in time. Absolutely. And so the the key point, what's in the news? A lot of bullshit, a lot of BS on statistics that that are just being coined from somewhere in order to paint a picture that supports their story but without their story behind it probably lacks any substance whatsoever. Jason and I are used to seeing this in financial services and financial markets because it's painted all of the time and you have to read in between the lines but uh, with what Alison said earlier on about the millennials uh, I think it's I think it's prudent to bring this up is that uh, there there is a lot of false data that's going out there or real data that is being presented in a false way does that make sense or am I just on a soapbox Jace? no but I mean you're making a good point Andy at the end of the day um, you know data and information can be manipulated. And uh, unfortunately, we give away our power, right? That's what, what we do often. We give away our power um, to analyze that information. There's a classic here, Andy. I might just um, quickly switch to sharing my screen. You and I, you and I love this one. But, um, you know, let's, <laughs> let's have a look at this one, right? You know, <laughs> have a look at this, folks. You know, um, this is what happens. It, it's like there is some information, some data, you know, that is out there in the, in, in the world. And how it turns into knowledge is where you get some experience, you have some wisdom, you know, you need to use these as part of it. What happens is a lot of it is like, yeah, there's a bit of data and information and then we just go and make some shit up about it, right? And uh, the media um, are probably the, the, the best at it, right? And then, then we'll perpetuate those challenges and issues. The problem, the, the, the challenge, Andy, which is a real one, I think, is what source of information do we trust now? You know, all sources of information do have some limitations and some weaknesses and those sorts of things. You know, what do we trust? Um, and that's where I think the the value of what you and I get up to is like, well, let's talk about the information. Let's let's slice and dice it a few different ways and have a bit of a look at this, right? Because there's one little sort of snippet um, I was going to do a bit later on, but it brings up right now something. Something, something that's perfect. It's actually, you know, in many places around Australia, um, you know, it's it's actually cheaper um, to buy than it is to rent. And if you have a look at some of these other stats, the mortgage stress or the percentage of income in comparison um, to this was 07 right now to now. Um, uh, mortgage stress is at, you know, 20-year lows. And so at the end of the day, the cost of interest, the cost of um, the exposure that someone might have with a mortgage right now is really, really low. That That's a fact, not, you know. <laughs> so, so let me understand this, Jason. Two and a half years ago, there was too much debt and we were all stressed and then a pandemic came. And now we're not stressed. What happened in the middle? 
was, I, it, was, it, was it inflated sensationalism? Was it accurate? What's, what's the gap between where it was and where it is? There is a gap there. Well, you know, at the end of the day, um, the, the media like to get in and mess with this transition of understanding from how it gets to one place to another, right? Um, and, and I think that in between, the, the gap is, is, the, is the way that it's expressed. Yeah. Isn't it? Because it's always a crisis or it's always a feast because nobody's interested in, oh, it's just doing okay. Yeah, it's just pretty normal. Yeah, don't stress about it. (laughs) In the news today, ladies and gentlemen, great news today. There's not really a lot to worry about. We're we're going okay. (laughs) But right now, um, over on my side of the fence, Andy, um, you know, probably playing straight into this, you know, some of the banks are – Playing nice right now. Um, so for you folks out there, if you're under any stress or pressure, I think we said it last week as well. Make sure you reach out to your lenders. Um, you know, and uh, there's a few of them. You know, coming to the party again. The challenge, Andy, which I saw, which is what I brought this up about this sort of you know mortgage stress. The government has basically said, "Hey, listen, you know, you guys pocketed a fair bit of dough with um, uh, in JobKeeper and." Um, you know, interest rates going down and all that sort of stuff. So we think we've done our job. You, you've already got some extra cash. So for the moment, this short-term lockdown, you might need to um, look after yourself. Um, and uh, it's kind of like at that point. And to be honest, um, there's a lot of people who've experienced that type of thing, Andy. You know, you and I have lots of clients who actually ended up um, with some reasonably cash benefits. You and I told them, Squirrel this shit away. It's not for new cars and televisions and furniture. It's not. You know, this is not over by a long shot. So put those dollars in the bank. Um, and those who uh, followed our uh, stringent advice are a lot better off today, sitting here right now going, well, I'm not that stressed, you know, um, at the end of the day. Mate, and, but there's, there's some BS behind that. There is some absolute BS because there are those people who, uh, not behind what you said, but that they, they, oh, the government stuff, yeah. Is, yeah. This bullshit that's peddled out by the, the morons appealing to the masses uh, it's, and hoping that people listen with moronic ears is that there, there was, there's an, probably not an equal number, but for, for everybody who was impacted positively, there's probably two people who are impacted negatively. Mm. And when you start, when the government start throwing away these comments, and a few of them have been thrown out, that you've had the stimulus package, you've had that. Well, listen, you're locking companies down, and when you're in the restaurant business and you have to buy new food and then throw it out because you sent back in in a day's notice. Now, I'm not saying that they're not wrong in doing that. That's not what we're here to talk about. But when you start labelling businesses as you've already had your handout, it's not a handout, mate. It is. It's it's a lifeline. And for yeah. many of those businesses, and going back to to how we opened up with the how to lie with statistics to tie a knot in, in both of our comments is, especially in the small to medium business world, is you've got to start to read through the statistics. And to what you said, Jace, earlier on, is how do we know what to look for? Well, you've got to balance it out. Every time you hear a statistic that scares you or that entertains you, you've got to look for the opposite side of it. What? Yeah. Okay. Let's just assume that that's the case. Let's disprove that theory. Let's look for all of the information that we can balance this out with and at least have a, a reasonable argument in the middle. And I think, think a bit deeper on that one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I whacked that link in the post uh, uh, in the in the chat. Um, Harry, how are you, mate? Good to see you. Um, 
Um, Graham, yeah, Arnie Gladys has been guilty of maybe skewing some stats. Who knows? The, <laughs> yeah, I think the media and the politicians are in the hoots in those ones, aren't they, Andy? <laughs> yeah, and uh, this is this is true. You know, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Story. Yeah, that that is that is uh, that is so true. So, um, what else on your your um, side of the fence, mate? Anything else in the news you got to share, mate? It's uh, it's going to double up into what you should know as well, but. Uh, We've got our old Joe back in the uh, back in the limelight again. Oh, I don't have my old Joe GIF. I'd love to put my old Joe <laughs> GIF back up there. But um, uh, this is interesting. So we've spoken a bit about inflation kicking off because inflation is the big scare word at the moment. Scares yeah. markets, scares property, scares the bejesus out of everybody. Um, and the funny thing is most people don't actually really know what it means. Uh, but... So Biden's come out, uh, rejects inflationary spikes, even with the ridiculous amount of money that has been pumped into the system on a global basis. Uh, Biden's now sitting there going, well, you know what? We don't have too much to worry about. Rejects inflation concerns, claims uh, spikes in prices are temporary. And so, well, Trump did a bit of bad to, to U.S. Uh, in a big way, and certainly presidents. So we don't necessarily trust the presidents as much as we did Clinton back in the day. Uh, <laughs> so obviously I went to, to to try and find out what a few other people around the world are doing. So I went to the, the next superpower outside of China and had a little bit of look at uh, what Christine was saying. And Christine, for those of you who don't know, she controls uh, what well, I loved the way that Ricky Gervais said it. He said, uh, we're from a little country over the other side of the world called England. We used to rule the world before you. And um, <laughs> he said that to an American crowd. So Christine, she she is the head, uh, head of the Fed in, in Europe. And so they have now uh, set to tweak guidance to reflect its new 10%, uh, sorry, 2% inflation target rate. A couple of things interesting, and I'm going to quote it here so I don't get it wrong. European banks' new inflation target uh, and its possible effects on monetary policy will be a key to- topic for this week's meeting in Frankfurt. Uh, for those of you who know that's a place, uh, for those of you who oh, sausage. sausage, it's a great sausage too, the old Frankfurt. Uh, the ECB hiked its inflation target uh, below uh, but close to 2% to a systemic 2% target. And this is the interesting part over the medium term, which would allow the consumer price to overshoot when deemed necessary. Now, this is the key thing. Uh, now, inflation well, explain, has been... Explain it to us. Why, why does that matter, Andy? Like highbrow, lowbrow here. Explain it to me. Um, what, why does that, what does that mean? So uh, effectively, the one thing that the world is worried about is prices getting out of control. The price of wine going through the roof. Well, it's not. It's actually dropping. But the housing prices globally going absolutely berserk. Um, well, as a general, <laughs> Bitcoin, somebody just posted. Yeah. <laughs> not going hyperinflation style. But inflation is the representation of goods becoming more and more expensive. Yeah, well, I've got, I've got something on that in a minute too, yeah. So if they keep flying up, property prices keep going up and everything's going up, everything's going north, then we need interest rates to start to pull that back. But don't, right, because- but don't we need those prices to go up, Andy, to raise, um, raise incomes? Um, is, isn't that the argument right now? We want, we want those things to kind of flow through into, at least in Australia, I'm not as um, aware internationally. 
Well, so th this has been, we all, so unfortunately, a lot of the time people look at things in a vacuum. Mm. Right, so they look at inflation, and they don't take into consideration the bigger picture. And and the, the Reserve Bank of Australia have been guilty of this for many years. They react late, they overreact, and then they create chaos on the back end of it. And then they blame it on us, Jace. They say <laughs> you guys yeah. have manipulated, or you've done the wrong thing. It's like no, you guys did the wrong thing. You acted too late. To, uh, but anyway, what we want them to do is act a little bit more pragmatically. And in a world where information and markets travel so quickly. We need to be very careful that we don't start raising interest rates aggressively because housing prices have gone up in value. Old, old clunky mechanisms for a brave new world, right? So we're just saying Correct. like we use this, this old big sledgehammer we used to make, but now reactions, you know, um, you know, market sentiment, money, finance moves faster than ever. Mate, it's, it's like taking the little kid at school who's super enthusiastic and probably says the wrong thing from time to time. That might have been you or me, Jace, allegedly, maybe, could have been, probably was. And and you, then the teacher pulls out a sledgehammer and smashes you in the face with it. Well, the de the defects of the physiology of that sledgehammer are going to last a really long time with the collapsed nose, the broken eye socket. That's going to last a long time into the future. Still, and I still know, here, man, still here. Like, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are still wearing the scars. But that is, and I know I'm being quite silly, but that is the effect that uh, these aggressive rate cut or rate hikes can make if they do that in the economy rapidly because they make a twist on interest rates and it shocks, right? And, and that can send shockwaves through the market and create massive impacts that take decades to unwind. Yeah. And the great thing that Christine has outlined here is she's gone, we're going to allow it to spike. And there, so there was a couple of articles that I was listening to uh, while running in Bloomberg. And back on the back on the running track, mate. I'm uh, I'm out there. I'm getting fit again after the old virus took me out for a little while. So I'll be mm. fit, fast, and lean. On a naughty hurt bad. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But uh, absolutely. Uh, the golf was that golf Whitlam? I think it might have been. I was I was a pup back then, and um, Markle, Christine, inflation uh over impact so allowing us to go through price perhaps irrationalization and allowing that to naturally settle out itself is absolutely key in the current market and one of the reasons behind it that i listened to on the run was was very very interesting so if you look at the world in isolation you go okay yep oil prices up housing prices up Energy prices up. Oh my God, everything, you know, inflation's running. But then they look at supply chains and what's happened to supply chains? They've crumbled, mate. Right now, the supply chains in Australia, certainly in the real estate space, like people are like, I can't get anything. Which pushes real estate yeah. prices up, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What's the effect when those supply chains open? It'll compress prices again or at least flatten them. Yeah. Well, in areas, right? Yeah, it, it might actually cause housing prices to come back down. New housing prices, maybe, because you can all of a sudden get the goods. Maybe, right? It, it might uh, more people are able to work because they're mobilised because they're getting the resources that they need, which causes potential wage inflation. So 
the thing which I'm going to be really interested to see whether Australia do and whether they take a little bit of a leaf out of this book because Australia, as I said, the reserve have been really good recently, but the politicians have some undue influence and they're like a little boy, you know, they can't keep their hands off it. And so I'm hoping that they actually sit in this space because at the moment we do need things to run a little bit extreme because we've been in extreme times and watching what they're doing over in the in Europe and the other thing that I loved about it was that they're investing and they're looking at putting more into what area do you reckon, Jace? Uh, shivers, man. Uh, I don't know. Let's say... Um, Think uh, <laughs> yeah, you've got me there. No, wait, cryptocurrency? I don't know. What, what, what are we talking here? What colour is Kermit? Green. Green. <laughs> they're, they're actually got their focus on green and they're the green going to allow well, hyperinflation I mean, in those yeah. areas into the green resources. And, and so, yeah, and I mean, that's, that's something that, um, you know, it's happening right now, right? You know, I saw a, an article. I didn't have it in, in tonight's news, but, um, you know, um, it was it wasn't AGL. It was one of the other ones. You know, having a whinge about um, oh, all these solar panels now are just under underwriting our margin, and we can't keep our coal fire plants going. I'm like fucking good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck you, blokes. Just wake up and smell the roses. Like, gee, tell you what, you know. But um, you know, flowing over into my neck of the woods, Andy. You know, in this sort of stuff, um, you know. Speaking uh, of inflation, you, you hey, were hey, 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 and the winner I is and the winner morning. is Brisbane. <laughs> 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 Go Brisbane! Go Brisbane! Well, Happy you know, days. yeah. Well, um, you know, we, we we've been sort of sniffing around this one for a while, and um, you know, you've heard the saying, Andy: um, every dog has its day, and some some dogs have two. And I think good old I think old good old Brisbane's going to have a bit of a a double whammy run um, right now on the way to the Olympics, uh, and uh, you know if things go its way, um, you know I think uh, it's probably going to be a dream run in certainly my neck of the woods, the real estate game um, in Brisbane. It's coming off a, an extremely low base. It's the cheapest um, average housing price and apartment price and townhouse price on the East Coast major cities. Um, it's got the highest rental yield. It's got a, an extremely low vacancy rate. It's just won the Olympics. Um, it's just almost, you know, lockdown, COVID-proof. Queensland's had, you know, a very easy time of in comparison, you know, for, from in local terms. Um, you know, it's 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 having a bit of a... You know, it's it's having its day in the sun and probably a few more too. Oh, mate, and and here's, it's mate. So I've been watching this and I thought I'm not going to bring it up because I know Dave, you can't, <laughs> he can't not thing, eat mate. the cake on this one. <laughs> he can't not eat the cake on this one. He loves it. He loves it. He's a good he's a good maroon supporters maroon supporter. Uh, sorry, and um, but so interesting about this I was watching this just uh, the other morning as well, and I've done some reading in in previous times in that the Olympics usually leaves a 10-year deficit mm. uh, as far as the cost of the Olympics. Do you know what Brisbane are going to – do you know what they're getting labelled already globally as? Well, on one article said uh, Brisbane, the first financially sustainable uh, Olympics. Olympics. Out there, whack it into the chat what you think uh, they might be saying out there, some of the other headlines. I'd be interested to know what you think uh, Brisbane are being like. Uh, one of them was uh, the, the cheapest – Olympics, uh, yeah, the cheapest, the cheapest budget Olympics. It said the affordable Sydney city will not be soon that affordable. Um, yeah, yeah. and 
And that It'll happens. Be the, the, the cheap skate Olympics with uh, skating not being in the Olympics was was <laughs> another one. But there, there is actually a push to make this a uh, an, a financially economic sustainable event. And, mate, as it should be, because it has been yep. a blistering uh, hole in the pockets of, uh, of uh, economies, Greece never really recovered from it. And Greece are only just starting to repurpose some of their facilities now in order and to... And I think some of them are just were abandoned and left alone, right? Yeah. Um, places like Atlanta and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know, the Commonwealth Games, a bit of a lesson in the Gold Coast, Um it's actually benefited significantly from the Commonwealth Games infrastructure-wise, which was very smart and clever. And uh, the 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 Olympic Games um, plans is to have infrastructure and um, sports be played um, all uh, up and down the east coast of Australia. So you know, um, the Olympic Games will be in um, you know in. Uh, Melbourne and Sydney, and it'll take advantage of lots and lots of existing infrastructure as well, not just one town. So it's quite a clever manoeuvre um, um, as we as we went. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the smart thing is what infrastructure will be left behind, you know, and the money that gets invested and what happens, certainly place like Sydney, when Sydney had the Olympic Games, you know, um, Homebush struggled for a little, but, you know, now it's an absolute icon piece of, you know, infrastructure for Sydney, that Homebush area as well um, as you go along. But um, it'd be interesting to see. You're dead right. There's always in, um, there's always something um, to keep an eye on there. But this one, you know, this was uh, this was actually supplied by Alison and uh, this was uh, a bit of a chart provided by a friend of hers in the construction game. And, Maybe you know, have him in a little bit there, mate, and, and give us a, yep, perfect, beautiful. You know, have a look at this stuff, folks, you know. And this was effective 1st of August, you know, weatherboards, fasteners, compounds, clotheslines, clotheslines up 7%. Joyce, you know. Um, Jesus, hey. does anybody use a clothesline in these days? <laughs> I don't know, mate. I don't know. Somebody might, you know. Steel reinforcing, structural timber, you know. Uh, Look those at that steel, 17%. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Wowee. I wonder if that's just some profiteering happening behind the scenes. Oh, uh, well, you, you know. Andy, you know, that might be happening. I mean, <laughs> I never know. You're responding like you own a, uh, a slice of um, Bluescape, mate. Yeah. No, mate, no, it's good. Bluescape's good, mate. I've got some shares. <laughs> Tell you a good thing. You know, I, I was talking about that with my team today. I was like, we buy so much Apple gear. You know, I need to buy Apple shares to offset my um, my money that I spend at least to get a bit of money back on, on the money that I I invest there. It's what's it called? Hedging, isn't it? It's called hedging. Right. Your um, hedging, hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> if you put a thousand dollars in for every computer that you bought, you would be well in front of the game. Absolutely. You know, engineered timber joists anywhere between fifteen to thirty percent. You know, uh, up uh, as we go. So, you know, and there is a like we've said a few times. There's a there's a timber shortage. So if you think about this team as we roll out of sort of, you know, Queensland being, you know, an attractive place internally in Australia to live for all sorts of reasons in this last two years, um, economically and also locationally and 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 uh COVIDly. I don't even know if that's a real word. Um it is now. but it is it is now. You know, and we have a look at um these vacancy rates, you know, you have a look at um uh all around uh these towns here, you know, the vacancy rate 
you know, is well, you know, very close to under a percent for most of Australia, right? What does 1% mean? Means we are in, in extreme, folks, extreme, extreme shortages of real estate, absolute extreme shortages of new construction real estate. You guys have heard me say this say this one before. APRA um, started this problem in 2017. Did they and, fix it, Chase? Uh, no, they fucked it hard. <laughs> they start, bloody APRA. And then COVID absolutely polaxed, finished it off. And, um, you know, uh, what, what we do see, Sydney and Melbourne, because of the density, because of the lockdown, because of that issues in COVID and because of the high student and transitory nature of those major cities, um, they, are, they do have higher vacancy rates, but the vacancy rates are focused predominantly uh, in the CBD locations for those two cities, you know, and um, I've done this one before, Andy. We don't invest in CBDs as property investors, uh, res- especially residential property investors because there's all sorts of, you know, warts and hairs and lumps on um, owning residential real estate in CBD locations, you know, the 2,000 postcodes, restrictions and all sorts of other risks. Um, so really, folks, when you take those ones out, all of our cities are below 2% vacancy rate. Um, and, um, you know, those those two major cities, Sydney and Melbourne, won't be long. I'm going to give it 12 or 18 months and we will be in the ones in both of those cities as well. That is my prediction. If you take out the CBD rubbish real estate that, you know, your regular person wouldn't rent anyway. And the severe shortage of new construction real estate is well, well, well mature right now and it's going to take at least five years to fix if um, if it will fix because, um, you know, it can't until we get out of COVID and, we, and we, we start bringing, you know, people back into the country. So, you know, that's an interesting one there, Andy. I, I thought... Um, you know, I thought that uh, that'd be worth uh, chatting about. Um, but here's a couple over your hitting plate, um, depending on what you've got back over there on on your side. But um, saw this one quite interesting. Uh, and talking about those millennials, um, a lot of millennials now are just uh, ditching big super and doing it online with online brokers, establishing their own super. They don't need any advice. Um, they can just jump online, Andy, and get it done. Now, you know, whether that's um, smart or not, uh, yeah, it just shows the millennials are like, you know, hey, bugger this, it's my money, I'll do what I friggin' want with it, you know? They're scared shitless about taking handouts and buying property, but they're, they're, they're all gung-ho about using their life savings in order to go into whatever investments they want uh, in high-risk fashion. <laughs> oh. Mate, talk yeah. about a tangled hierarchy. Tangled uh, hierarchy of, uh, well, of, of rationalisation. Well, let's let's bounce on this one, mate. Well, I reckon we'll come back and we'll bounce around, but I'll, I'll uh, let's uh, do it. Here's what my next one was, which was uh, which is interesting enough, and it just ties straight into yours. It's like we planned tonight, Jason. And you and I never planned. Uh, not tonight, anyway. So, some of the world's largest hedge funds are profiting by anticipating the ins and outs of passive strategies built on transparent rules that are cheap to implement but open to arbitrage. And you read, you know the reason why arbitrage comes back into the market, Jace? Do you know the number one reason that arbitrage comes back into the market? Andy, you might have to go back and sort of just just 
um, take take a moment to debrief that that whole sentence because I don't know if you've ever seen the um, the uh, the the Simpson episode where the where Homer's talking at the dog and all the dog hears is blah blah <laughs> blah 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 blah. <laughs> So uh, some of the world's largest hedge funds, these are the guys who know stuff. Yeah, yeah, and they're the guys in charge of billions. Yeah, yeah, they're the, they're the guys who uh, rule the world uh, after England did. And uh, so they're, they're profiting by anticipating the ins and outs of passive strategies. Um, so passive strategies are indexes and Actually, that's a complicated statement to go in and out of. We won't go through it tonight. <laughs> Don't go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> the ins and outs of un uh, of pass so set and forget strategies, or let's just call it um, dumb tax, right? Built on transparent rules that are cheap uh, to implement but open to arbitrage. So <laughs> there are a lot of funds. You know, you know how everyone says, Jace, just go into the index. Yes. Index. Go into the index. Go into the Vanguard. Go into the S&P. Go into the ASX 200. Yeah, yeah. So what ends up, so maybe we do a little bit of a lesson on what an index is uh, just to go into this and uh, I'll just quickly get rid of Pull something up and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll answer Jeanette's question. Jeanette, Jeanette, yes. The answer is (laughs) yes. We've got to catch up, Jeanette. Um, (laughs) Allegedly, Jason said bye, 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 but that's unconfirmed uh, because it's a, an alleged statement. Uh, yeah, you, you got to buy some things that um, are, uh, are certainly targeted, Jeanette. But um, yeah, I'd be in the market rather than out of it if I was uh, if I was a uh, investor. Well, I am. There you go. <laughs> All right. So let's just assume that we've got an index here. And an index is in the top five stocks in the US. Now, these aren't the top five stocks, but just want to give you a little bit of a lesson of how an index works. So we've got Apple, we've got Tesla. Who else should we whack in there, Jase? Uh, I reckon we've put in Amazon. Uh, I'd put in Amazon, Microsoft. Um, who's, who's, who's the other, like, big one in there? Um, Google. Google. You've got to have them. Isn't that they, – they're the top five. I think they're, they're legends. All them. All right, so let's just say that our index is the top four, right? And so Apple is $2 trillion, let's just say. it's the, These aren't <laughs> the real numbers. Tesla is $1 trillion. I'm sure it'll get there. Amazon's, uh, you know, because these are in order at the moment, will go $750 billion, and Microsoft is $650 billion. And Google is at a bad day, so that's $649 billion. So the index of the top five by market capitalization has these stocks in it, right? And there's a thing called survivorship bias, right? So what happens in a passive strategy, in an index strategy, is there's no there's nobody behind the scenes going, should we have this stock or not? It's rules-based. Yes. Right? So what happens is Microsoft, for, for no fault of its own, goes out of the index because Google all of a sudden has an absolute freaking heyday and goes up to one... Point four four nine, we'll call it billion, and overtakes million dollars. Oh mate, yeah. And so Google now takes number two. Right. So what happens to poor old Microsoft? Microsoft is now out of the index. Right. So no longer exists in the index, which means that less money flows to Microsoft. 
yeah. less money increases the cost of Microsoft. Money flows out of Microsoft because it's out of the index. Now, so, remember, so, Jason, so people like that's it. You know, I'm leaving Microsoft. I'm now investing in Google. Like, there's probably some other already rules set up somewhere else that has to happen as well. Well, yeah, but there's trillions of dollars that are sitting in these indexes. Yes, hundreds of billions of dollars that when Microsoft when when Microsoft went out of that index, the money goes out instantaneously. The money goes. They go, no, no, we don't, because there's no decision. There's nobody going, should we still invest in markets? It's like, no, it's out, we sell. So you're saying that they're, they're hedging, they're shorting Microsoft because it's going to get kicked out without. No, they're, just, they're kicking it out of the index. So, yes, so if they can see that happening, yeah, then they can potentially short that stock because they know that it's falling and then it overshoots yes. because all of a sudden it falls and they're, they're shorting. Go and watch the Big Short, great movie. Right, which means <laughs> that it does. Yeah, it it overshoots and then they buy as it price rationalizes. Yes, yes. Now, so is that the gap? Is that the arbitrage you're talking about there, or is well, it? I, well, did arbitrage it, happen back in the fund? So the, what happens is is as it leaves an index, and this is a very basic example, and just one example of how it could happen, right? And how an arbitrage could happen. You go well now this. There is a difference of what it's worth to what it's valued just because it came out of the index. Yeah. Just because it fell out of the index doesn't mean it's worth any more or less. It's just not in the index anymore because somebody is worth more. But the money flows out so they can actually short the position to take advantage of the the price decrease that it will have when it leaves the index and then they can buy it back when it bottoms back out and follow it back up. Smart, mate. That's smart. Yep. And so this this is this is what we say that you're kind of competing with when you start to take your superannuation and you dump it into Tesla or you you grab your super and you dump it into a single position. There there are times and there are themes and there are rhymes and reasons as to to the reason why managers are in and out of markets. And the interesting part is that yes, you know, millennials may well take a large part of what they're worth and they'll dump it into these areas and they will make great money over a short period of time. But the house wins, mate. It always, always wins. The hedge fund managers uh, very, very rarely lose. Uh, they, they always figure out a way of getting back on top. <laughs> but it's that, that chasing of the dumb money and there has been so much money fly into EFTs, which are like indexes and indexes, yeah. I don't have the stats, but I'll bring them in next week, actually, because it's, it's be interesting to see, Andy, because it's like blowing. money's out there, right? And I think one thing that we're probably seeing right now, folks, is that, you know, probably for the first time in my 20-plus years of paying attention to my financials, the whole world is paying attention to their financials, Andy. Do, do, do you know what I mean? It's the first time I've ever noticed everyone going, yeah, yeah, like everyone's looking, you know, and and they rightly wrongly or indifferently they're going, well, you know, I better I better save some. You know what? You know, my fund, my super fund is rubbish. I'll, I can do a better job myself. Everyone's talking about money because, you know, it's covid's made us look at, you know, you know, really look at, hey, we're only one week away from a disaster. Um and we 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 all of us, most of us needed a handout from the government to not end up in fucking, you know, the ditches. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, 
it's interesting to see how much focus now is maybe flowing through. I don't know whether it's just us because we live in this space or or it's, you know, general, more focus on money and, and financial well-being than I've ever noticed. Yeah. More, more people taking notice on it because I think there's a fear factor around it. Mm. Uh, but there's also, I mean, we didn't bring it in today. I'm surprised you didn't bring it in, but uh, we've got we've got a, uh, a cryptocurrency specialist coming in. But you and I both know of one of one of the one of Australia's uh, platinum fund managers, uh, Hamish Douglas from Magellan, uh, one of the biggest, great rise to fame, very very smart guy. Uh, basically said Bitcoin going to zero because it's a bag of shit. Now the the second part of that sentence I paraphrased. <laughs> from the article, oh, there it is. I knew you would have it. Mate, I got it, uh, mate, I got it there. <laughs> uh, it, says, it says it's going to the bottom uh, because it's, uh, it's, it's worthless. Now, you know, I, I think it's a bold statement by, by, by Hamish, but uh, he, he, was, he would be one of the smarter men in Australia uh, and now globally when it comes to funds management and, uh, and out there actively managing billions of dollars worth of investors' funds. Mm. So it clearly doesn't invest. I, I've got a feeling he doesn't invest in Bitcoin. Uh, well, maybe not now. Maybe yeah. like Mark, and he'll invest yeah. in it when he goes. You know, what, Bitcoin's going to a million dollars, and then you'll see. Well, oh, you know, you and I, you and I aren't that cynical about this stuff, are we? Really, at the end of the day, why would he come out now and make a comment like that? You know, maybe, you know, maybe his jealousy missed out. You know, um, when others got in, so he just wants to knock it over a few more times, and then when. When and if it goes down a bit more, he'll buy back in and then say it's the best thing since sliced bread and and, and, and push and, it back up. You know? And that's the thing, though, Jace. He, he can put 1% of his, his uh, multiple billions of funds under management into that and move the market. Yeah. And, and this is sort of what we're playing against. When I think it's great to take an active interest in your investments and take punts and do, you know, and be interested in them. To, to dabble... Uh, with a great deal of your your wealth, I think is a is a very very risky maneuver because that's like we said earlier, uh, many wine and wisdoms ago. You're betting against Bill Gross, the world's best bond investor. You're betting against Hamish, uh, who is one of Australia's best fund managers, uh, one of the best track records of international funds management in Australia since Platinum International. You're betting against guys who, and you go, well, they're not betting against me. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're, they're, they're playing dumb bets in the market and they're doing it with an amount of money that can make sure that they can stay solvent longer than you can. And uh, I think it's it's interesting because, again, there's the statistics lie that comes out. It's, uh, you know, low fees in, in funds management always wins the day. That's garbage. It depends on what period of time you look at it. Property always outperforms equities. It doesn't. It's a lie. It depends on when you look at it. Uh, property only ever goes up. It's a lie. It goes <laughs> up and down lie. over time. <laughs> uh, like, so we, and, we, and it we, depends we, on who you ask. If you ask the bank, if you ask a valuer, <laughs> if you ask the real estate agent, you know. On the same day, they may all say completely different things. Andy, they fucking all say completely different things <laughs> on the same day and often twice on the same day and two different things. It's insane. <laughs> Which comes back to the uh, how to lie with statistics because it doesn't mean that it's not necessarily ha- have its place. It, 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 you can definitely paint a picture 
Uh, it just depends on the statistical sample that you use. And I guess bringing a lot of this back around, and I've got a funny way to, to start to wrap this up as well, or I think it's funny. So, um, <laughs> well, uh, well, big, uh, leave, leave that to us yet, Andy. You know, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the big what you should know out of this, especially for business owners that are out there, is I think you need to be really questioning. And, and please don't politicize this. I'm not being a vaxxer or an anti vaxxer. I'm not being a liberal. I'm not being a labor. Not being a national or any of those sorts of things, but I urge everybody uh, with with all of this bullshit that's going on in the media right now to ask the questions about the things that are worrying them. Look at the opposite side. Don't take what's in the project for granted. They have an agenda. I promise you that. Right? Uh, everybody has an agenda. We even really have agendas to a degree, and our agenda here is to give you information to be able well, to, to drink wine. Well. Number one, Andy, yeah. and well, to uh, connect. That's the number one agenda, really, isn't it? Drink a bit of wine. Um, hang on, let me just do that now. But you're right, you know. It's, and, yeah. But the key, the key thing is as business owners out there, you cannot, and I, and I had this conversation today and I've had it all week, you, you cannot allow yourself to be scared, intimidated into corners that are bred from bullshit and bred from statistics that, that may lie because you get optimistic on one side and you get pessimistic on the other. And the example that I brought up was the vaccination side. And again, I'm not for or against, I'm not doing that. But there's so much, there's so so many statistics on this that are around that happen in isolation. And then somebody says, see, vaccination works because they use one statistics to prove that one statistic to prove that point. And then other people say it doesn't work and they use a different statistic to prove that. My response is to make sure that as a business owner, you you can't be unsure. You've got to test it and you've got to get contingency plans for the probability and also the possibility. And you cannot let these things scare you or push you into one corner because if you do, how often are the media right? Uh, well. I don't know. I don't think they're ever right, to be honest, but, you know, well. They report daily, so they just adjust <laughs> in micro inches from highly negative to highly positive. Yeah. They're not vested in any accuracy, um, you know, that, that's, that's not the vesting, unfortunately, these days. It's, it's who can, who can uh, gather the most attention with the most, you know, ludicrous or speediest things, you know. That's... Um, I think that uh, becomes unfortunate for many of us trying to make sense of things, Andy. You know, like I sort of mentioned before, how do we get to the bottom of things or what are we doing? And it becomes becomes something that we all need to learn as a skill to dive a bit deeper, you know, cross-reference a few imp- opinions, you know, understand agendas. Like I said, everyone's got one. And if and if someone says they don't, they're lying, um, fucking through their teeth. Um, but you've got to just say, hey, does their agenda align with my agenda and does that actually, you know, does that give me the outcome that I want um, and, uh, you know, uh, roll with that one. So, yeah, it's an interesting interesting time there, mate, when it comes to um, the business uh, owners going through, you know, tough times, you know, second, third, fourth time right now and, um, you know, for many, for many of those guys, you know, in that sort of, you know, food and and um, catering space, I think, is you know one of the those places that have been affected, you know, severely, mm. you know, again and again in this uh, these lockdowns and you know these things. So, 
we're uh, we're thinking of them um, as we uh, as we sit here having a glass of wine, having a good time. Uh, maybe you know, give a, a thought to those guys uh, as well as we go along. But um, one of the things that I had on my um, my uh, little newsworthy uh, um, thing, I, I thought Andy would be um, uh, this one. I thought it was quite uh, an interesting conversation where. <laughs> you know, spend your money before you die. The Treasury urges retirees. Um, and, you know, you and I have chatted about this one, about, you know, people, you know, hoarding their cash or hoarding resources. And, um, you know, it's actually, uh, I don't think it's actually very healthy for the economy to have that um, that cash hoarded um, without it working, you know, and it's an interesting one. And, you um, um, you know, money in cash, money in real estate, money parked in certain places um, can get lazy and become stagnant, Andy, you know, and uh, I wonder if that sort of gets locked away and, and there's some uh, bean counter. What are they called? Um, well, they do extreme calculations. I'm, I'm having a mental blank right now. The but actuary? Yeah, the actuaries sitting in the back there going, oh, shivers me timbers. If, if if these retirees just lock away their cash um, and don't put it back into the system, we're going to be in a whole lot of trouble, you know, because because it's taking it's taking um, resources out of the system off the off the table, you know, especially if it's in things like cash, Andy. Cash is trash. Cash is useless. Um, money in other marketplaces actually um, uh, gives creates jobs creates activity you know and uh, it's an interesting one so i'm actually a big fan that the value of um cash deposits in bank accounts for me i would say i i'm, I'm a bit of a, a madman when it comes to this i think it should be zero um um in essence i think at re- resources like that should be um put to work and we should all learn about it i'm, I'm a bit radical when it comes to that sort of stuff because it's it's part of what we should all do. We have resources; they need to be, you know, continually moving. But uh, I think this. What do you, what do you what do you make of this this commentary? So by twenty sixty, one in every three dollars paid out of superannuation system will be an inheritance instead of retirement income. Will be that sort of on, on ongoing assets passed down generationally. Yeah. 60. Yeah, well, so I mean, it's it's a bit of a nothing statement, isn't it? It's because we've got a population bubble that's going through the uh, the baby boomers. Yes, so, so 2060. So we're we're 40 years down the track from now. So, uh, mate, oh, you and I will be uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll still be doing wine and wisdom, but uh, I hope so. Forgetting, <laughs> we might be forgetting things from time to time. But uh, we'll certainly be reaching our twilight. So th- that'll push the uh, the major intergenerational money through. Uh, so, mate, it's a, to me, it's almost a bit of a, a nothing comment. It's another way of saying that we're about to go through the, ma- the, the most significant intergenerational wealth transfer that we've ever seen. Yes. Uh, but in itself, that is a, uh, it's a nothingism because yep. every time we go through major transfers of wealth, it is the biggest just by the factor of the population getting larger <laughs> and more money being out there. Uh, so uh, it's another an, Another twist on stats, Andy. <laughs> it's, another, it's another headline. Uh, 
but likely and one of the great it's the mobilization of of dormant cash like you said last time uh cash sitting in a bank account is like uh it's put to the economy is like still water um you know it gets poisonous it's like a muscle it fatigues uh and then when you go to use it you know it's not there for you and it doesn't have the same power as money that's in circulation and money that's in use and money that is being around. And effectively, the, the banking system is meant to be the facilitator to a degree. So you've got the reserve bank and then you've got the banking system. They're meant to facilitate the appropriate uh, s- cycling of money around the economy. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem is that it, it, it becomes more about policy than it does efficiency. Uh, because of the the politics behind it. And I think that what we are seeing, one of the potentially the way that you could reframe this is one of the things that we may well be seeing is the forced uh, cycle, uh, the forced injection of funds into productive resources. And we'll see the largest influx of funds into productive resources that we have ever seen in the next 30 years. Uh, especially if rates stay low. And you and I have talked about this a lot because we really, we're big fans of Anastasia Palastak at the moment because she managed to get where we've been wanting to go for the last year since the pandemic started. And we wanted to go over to Japan to investigate low interest rates over in Japan. And uh, and they have been there since 1993 or 94. I'm not sure the, the exact date. Yeah. That's how long they've had low interest rates for over there. So likely we will, we will see that unless there's some ridiculous movement by the Fed, and again, you and I always say history doesn't repeat itself, but it's an incredible mimic. And right now there's, there's these talks about inflation, and yes, in standard terms there should be inflation. There is inflation, in fact, where, depending on where you look. But whether that's enough to start raising interest rates over the medium to long term, that's yet to be seen. And Japan, what we've seen there, would would go probably not. And if we look at this statement, we might actually be able to re put the the appropriate headline or maybe alleged headline of uh, by twenty twenty six we will see the greatest mobilisation of funds into productive resources of economy than we've ever seen before in the history of the world. And I think that that might be, in my opinion, a more accurate statement. Mate, I like. I like the rewriting of that headline, mate. Um, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good one, that's for sure. Well, mate, um, it might be a good idea. We might put a put a pin in uh, wine and wisdom for this week. Uh, plenty there, and probably a few things we didn't get to cover. We'll always circle around, folks, and make sure we sort of chase them up either during the week or or next week as well. And um, Harry, uh, Harry asked about investing in Brisbane. Harry. The answer is yes, you should. Um, give us a shout out and maybe stop by one of my early morning coffee chats, and I'll, uh, I'll, um, uh, I'll uh, um, uh, spread uh, a little bit more light on uh, that that uh, answer or the question. And uh, Alison was sort of saying, "Hey, listen, it's good to see when um, when uh, the CEO of the institute stops a few insanities. You know, there's a few little." Uh, Weirdness is going on. But, uh, you know, thanks, Stuart, mate. Uh, good to have you guys here with us this week. And um, I'm sure there's going to be plenty going on in the next week uh, also, Andy. Um, 100%. Uh, and just this, I'll just shift it across here uh, mm-hmm. because just to finish off our theme of uh, statistics, Jase, 
is uh, this is a brilliant article. I love it, um, and one that you and I predicted might be uh, might be happening due to uh, due to the times of being locked up with little else to do. Uh, <laughs> and this is also an interesting part about statistics, right? Is that sometimes. You can read statistics, but sometimes you need to go to the source of where it really happens. And let me just summarize this from The Guardian. There is a COVID, is there a COVID baby boom? Experts disagree. (laughs) But the Australia's, uh, but Australia's maternity wards are straining. Demand for maternity services are up as much as 20% in some parts of Victoria, prompting fears that the system is breaking at breaking points. Despite experts arguing uh, a COVID-19 baby boom is unlikely, those on the maternity front line say that hospitals are already under strain because of the birth spikes. And it goes on and on and on and on and on uh, to, to allegedly say that the experts might be, Jason, in, uh, in maybe slightly more polite terms, full of shit. Oh. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, maybe that's unlikely, Andy, but, you know, <laughs> you, you never know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But it's that's just good. a great way where you can, you can look at it and you can say, well, there's, there's, what, there's the statistics that we listen to and then there's the cold face of what's happening and sometimes there's a big gap between the two. And as business owners and investors, it's our job to identify the gap between the garbage that gets spun around and the reality that's on the streets, and, and that's our job. If it were easy, everyone would do it. But uh, yeah. as business owners and investors, that those are the games that we need to play in order to be able to understand the game that we're playing. And, uh, and I guess in times like these, from those that are in fear, that are in lockdown, uh, don't believe everything that you see. Seek the opposite side of the argument to, to provide some validity to see whether it's true. Uh, and at least that will provide you with a more balanced approach and possibly even a better way of seeing through it because the thing about repetition is that they can slowly adjust that over time and they will always seem to be right, even though what they said six months ago is the polar opposite to what they said today. And uh, just be mindful of that over time. Hopefully that brings you a bit of comfort. Totally. And Alison said, don't buy French Bulldogs. Um, during a pandemic because they're too expensive. We should be in Bulldogs, Jason. Well, uh, I, I have to buy another car for one of my businesses, my property management business in Melbourne, and I bought one 12 months ago. Uh, and so, I, Andy, I can resell my 12-month-old car for a profit right now. Hmm. First time ever that I've ever been able to do that and I only bought it 12 months ago. So it's interesting, and I'm paying four and a half grand more for a new car now, and I'm going to have to wait five months for that car to come in and um, be done. So, yep, uh, I think you're you're the shortages are the inflation is from a shortage, not from the general economic um, stimulus, right? So that's that they're different. That's the key, and these yeah. strains will most likely those bottlenecks will relinquish, relinquish at yeah. a point in time and un, and undo a lot of these because uh, people are making statements as if this is going to be the way forever, and it's not. And as these events start to unwind, they're going to have more significant unseen things happen uh, 
uh, of which we don't even know about yet. And those are the things I think that we need to be looking for. Yeah, and uh, Graham sold his, his shoot for more, two grand more than he purchased. Well, there you go. I think uh, I think that would be uh, quite a good uh, conversation piece, Andy, maybe for next week to circle around on that stuff and have a bit of a look at it because really it is like what's temporary and what's here to stay is probably, you know, um, something that I think that would be great. You know, a lot of people worried about, you know, what happens when interest rates go up and, you know, um, you know, prices uh, in real estate adjust or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I think that might be a great little theme for us to uh, maybe sink our teeth into next week. So we might put a pin in that one, folks, but uh, good uh, good to hang out with you guys this week. Good to hang out with you, my friend, um, as always. Debrief the week on a Friday. Folks, I think that's us done and dusted for another Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. Well, enough said, Jace. It's good night yeah. from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Good night. <laughs>